people are looking. Not to these superheroes like Batman and Superman and Harry Potter or whatever. People are looking for what I call ordinary heroes. And as I was combing the web, just looking for a clip of ordinary people who really are communicating an extraordinary message, I ran across this. I want you to watch this so that you get the impact of people helping in this devastation. search and rescue team supporting the local jurisdiction and making uh, some water rescues in the area due to the hurricane. As of right now, to this point today, we've made approximately 300 rescues. It's easy enough to drop my boat in the water and I've just been shuttling people to uh, dry land. Uh, this is probably my 10th run. Probably, I've been taking anywhere from five to eight or nine people per run. See, when I look at things like this, and I see a world that is just obsessed with celebrities, I think, no, we don't need any more celebrities. We need ordinary people who want to have an extraordinary message. Be heroes. Our world desperately needs this. George Gallup did a survey where he where he surveyed teenagers from 13 to 17, and what he found was absolutely shocking. 51% of teenagers said they know of no adult that they would want to model their life after. Folks, I believe that is a tragic statement. Because we all need models. We all need mentors. We all need heroes, because heroes shape our lives. They define our character. They clarify our values. Without heroes in our life, ordinary heroes, not Superman, not Batman, not the Hulk, ordinary people doing really extraordinary things, being a hero. We need this because if we don't have it, we go adrift. That is why I believe David said this out of Psalms 101, verse 6, I will make the godly of the land my heroes. Fred Smith 
a business guru of a previous generation, wrote this in a book. Heroes are the personification of our ideals. They are the embodiment of our highest values. They are the stars that guide us upward. A society writes its diary by naming its heroes. And I really believe that is true as individuals for you and for me. At the Mayo Clinic, they get so many great applicants, young doctors who want to participate there to get their residencies, that they had to find a way to filter out the good ones from the great ones. And Dr. Kane of the Mayo Clinic came up with a one-question survey, and it was this, tell me who your heroes are. Because he said it was the best indicator or clue of their character and their values. I want to ask you a question. Who are your heroes? You tell me who your heroes are, and I will tell you where you are headed in life. I guarantee you, I can do it like that. You tell me who your heroes are, and I can tell you what kind of character you're seeking to develop. What kind of values that you hold dear to your heart. If you don't have any heroes, may I suggest that you get one. Because folks, we all need a North Star. Now the problem though today, like I said, is that we, uh, we misuse the word hero much like we misuse the word genius. People that we call geniuses today really aren't geniuses at all. Just like people that we call heroes today aren't really heroes, okay? In fact, most people confuse heroes with celebrities. They're not the same. Interesting enough, World Almanac did a survey of 2,000 eighth graders asking them to name their heroes, and every one of them named an athlete or an entertainer. Those are not heroes. They are celebrities. Celebrities make a big splash. Heroes make a big difference, like you just saw there. Celebrities are all about image and fame. Heroes are about character and integrity. How do you know the difference between a a celebrity and a hero? I'll tell you how. Celebrities want you to serve them, where heroes want to serve other people. A wise man once said, when small men cast long shadows, you can know that the sun is setting on that culture. Folks, when I see all this celebrity worship that people hover around, I think, you know what? That's not a good sign. Because we don't need more celebrities. What we need are ordinary people who have an extraordinary message who are really heroes. I mean, let me give you a little quiz. Tell me which, well, let me tell you (laughs) which ones are celebrities and which ones are heroes. Uh, Governor uh, Jesse Ventura of, I think, Minnesota, celebrity. Abraham Lincoln, hero. We all know Dennis Rodman. He comes from the Dallas area, okay? Went to Korea, celebrity. Soldiers in Afghanistan, heroes. Lady Gaga, celebrity. My wife, hero. The village people, celebrities, first responders to Hurricane Harvey, the Cajun Navy, heroes. 
Our culture doesn't need any more celebrities. What our culture needs are ordinary people with an extraordinary message that really are the true heroes. Folks, we all need one. You need one, I need one. We need more heroes, mentors, models. Personally, I would rather have people model you than some drug or some drugged up rock star because at least you are trying to follow Jesus Christ. I guarantee you this, when I am with your kids and I have opportunity to influence them, I, 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 I don't rain on your parade, I just fan your fire into flame. Hey, I want you to know your mom and dad, they're rock stars. My mom and dad, yes. They're in church on a regular basis. They're involved in biblical community. They're serving in the church. They're serving outside the walls of the church. I want you to know your mom and dad are rock stars. We need more ordinary heroes in our life. And today, I want to talk with us about how you and I, as ordinary people, can have an extraordinary message and be a hero, a true hero in making a difference in our world. Because truly, it is a choice. So what are the choices? There are three. The first one is this. I must choose to stand alone for what is right. You see, heroes go against the crowd, folks. They buck the majority. They swim upstream. I mean, imagine what, imagine the founding fathers of our country if they would have just been politically correct, okay? We're just going to go along to get along with England. Folks, we would not be celebrating right now uh, uh, Labor Day weekend, okay? We definitely wouldn't have been celebrating the 4th of July. No, our founding father says, you know what? We're going to do what's right. We're going to stand alone. You will never find a hero who runs with the crowd because they are willing to stand up for what is right. Take a look at this verse out of 2 Samuel 23. These are the three most heroic men in David's army. Jasheb, Elazar, the son of Dudu. How would you like to have your dad named Dudu? My dad is a Dudu head, okay? <laughs> Ooh, okay. Anyway, uh, a Shema, okay? Once during an attack, when all Shema's men distressed him, he, st he stood alone at the center of a field and beat back the Philistines and gave him a great victory. Will you circle? He stood alone. Now, folks, I doubt if any of us here this week, okay, are going to fight in a physical war, but you will face other battles. You will face uh, moral battles. You will face internal battles. You will face questions and challenges and temptations to your integrity. How are you going to handle them? Are you willing to stand alone for what is right, even if that means going against the flow? Moses, an insightful leader, knowing that he wasn't going to be able to be with his people as they entered into the promised land, knew that they were going to face some opposition, opposition to compromise. And he gave them these instructions. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Why did he say that? Because most of the time, the crowd's going in the wrong direction. Every week, you and I have opportunities to demonstrate our Christ-like character. When you go to work, there are people who come in late and go and leave early. Don't do it. Most people do. Don't do it. It's not the right thing to do. 
When others are getting smashed at a party, don't do it. It's not the right thing to do. When other people are cheating to get business deals, and this happens, don't do it. It's not the right thing to do. When friends are talking about someone in the wrong way and you know it, that it's gossip, either walk away from that conversation at the water hole at the workplace or say, you know what, I'm just not going to be a part of this. It's not the right thing to do. You see, are you and I willing to stand alone? This is a challenge. The challenge is because deep inside each and every one of us is a desire to fit in, isn't there? A desire to be on the in crowd, the desire to be accepted, the desire to be a part of what is cool. And because of this great desire that we have within us, it is easy for you and I to cave in, as adults, to peer pressure. It is Satan's number one tool, no doubt about that for for teenagers, and a lot of times as adults, we recognize that, but we don't, we don't think that's true for us. It's just as true for us. That's Satan's number one tool, peer pressure. The question when it happens is we have to ask ourselves, do I have the courage to stand alone? Today, we live in a culture that doesn't, doesn't value truth. We live in a culture that values tolerance that says that every idea is equally valid with every other idea. Now, there is a Greek word for that. It is called baloney. That is just not true. You can make the statement, Jesus is God. The moon is God. The sun is God. Those are not equally valid ideas. One is right, and the other ones are wrong. And yet one of the biggest problems today as Christians is that we are afraid to stand up and identify, you know what, I'm a Christian, and I don't believe that. Do you have the courage to stand alone and say, that's not right? Are you and I going to be Winnie the Poohs and just kind of go with the flow, go with the crowd? Today, people in media have turned our world upside down. And you want to know how? They have called good bad, and they've called bad good. They've called good evil, and they've called evil good. They've called right wrong, and they've called wrong right. Notice what the Bible has to say about this. In Isaiah 5.20, destruction is certain for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark. I mean, since when has truth changed? Since when has, has wrong become right, okay? Oftentimes I get asked, George, are you an includer or are you an excluder? And I ask this clarifying question. I says, what do you mean by that? And they say, well, I, I'm, a, I'm an includer. I believe all of people are God's people and that they're all going to heaven. What are you? And so I say, well, first of all, I'm not the judge. And your fate is between you and God. But I'm a Christian. And Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except by me. Now, he is either right or he is wrong. I'm personally betting my life that he's right. Because he entered into human history. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. And he resurrected. 
lifted from the grave. And so I'm betting that what he said about life, I can take to the bank. Are you willing to stand alone? I'm a Christian, and this is what I believe. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 8, 38. If you are ashamed of me in this godless and wicked day, then I will be ashamed of you when I come in glory with the angels. Unfortunately, a lot of people are flip-floppers, okay? Because we're influenced with this myth called tolerance, that every idea is equally valid with every other idea, and it's a crock of baloney. Notice what Paul says out of Romans 12, how we shouldn't be influenced by the world. Do not model your behavior on the contemporary world, but let the renewing of your minds transform you so that you may discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and mature. It says don't model yourself after the contemporary world. What does that mean? It means that you don't get your values from TV. It means that you don't get your fashion statements from Cosmopolitan magazine. Obviously, I don't, okay? I mean, does it bother anybody that today we have young girls walking around looking like Lady Gaga? Does it bother anybody? Is modesty, I mean, even a factor anymore? Does it bother anybody that people are getting their values from reality TV? I don't know, housewives from Atlanta or whatever they come from. I mean, really? Notice this next verse here out of Psalms 40. Blessed are you who give yourselves over to God. Turn your backs on the world's sure thing and ignore what the world worships. What does the world worship? I'll tell you what it worships. Money, sex, power, beauty, and fame. And yet, you want to know something? All of those are temporary. They are here today and gone tomorrow. Beauty for sure. Not the man I used to be, okay? But praise God for unconditional love of my wife, okay? You and I were made to give ourselves to those things that are eternal. Why? Because we're eternal beings. You've heard me say this before. Life is preparation for eternity. We're going to be around, I don't know, 60, 70, 80, 90 years if we're lucky, Right? And during that time, God says, I want you to use your time in eternity present to get ready for eternity future. You are made to give yourself to eternal things, not things that are here today and gone tomorrow in the way of values from the world or fashion things that come from the world as well. And so my question to you is this. Are you willing to stand alone and identify, I'm a Christian, And this is what I believe in the face of criticism and ridicule and rejection. You go to the Bible and you will find person after person after person, ordinary and some we'd call extraordinary, that that stood alone. Moses stood alone against Pharaoh. Abraham stood up against the culture called Sodom and Gomorrah. Noah stood 120 years up against the world. There's this woman who was aware that her people were just going to hell in a handbasket, so to speak. And most people in there in that age were saying, hey, it's none of my business. God convicted her. It's my business. I want to be a part. 
You see, do you and I have the courage to stand alone? I just praise God. I'm listening, trying to get caught up to speed because if you care, you're aware. And so I'm trying to get caught up to speed and I hear Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick at the end of this interview, didn't get the whole interview, but at the end he says, the interviewer said, hey, what can we do? And he says, well, I want you to know something. I'm a Christian. And I, I want us to pray. And I say that not in a light way. I really believe that prayer works. Then I, I watch TV, maybe as a clip of the news, our governor, a devout Christian, sitting in front, in his wheelchair, in front of a church. And he quotes the verse, unless the Lord builds a house, we labor in vain. And they pray. It is time for the church to rise up and demonstrate what we believe in. The second thing is this. Ordinary heroes, people who are just ordinary people who want to have an extraordinary message, who really are heroes, must make sacrifices for others. Will you circle for others? You see, a lot of people sacrifice themselves for a lot of different things. Entrepreneurs sacrifice by getting up early so they can make money. Actors sacrifice time to become proficient in their craft so they can be famous. A high achiever sacrifice almost everything so they can be number one in the game, okay? But they do it for themselves. They don't do it for others. Heroes do it for other people, not that they might get uh, some kind of credit for it, not because uh, they want glorific personal glorification or happiness or wealth. In fact, most people that, that are just ordinary people who do an extraordinary thing, message, uh, their message is, hey, I'm not a hero. I'm not a hero at all. Now, don't misunderstand me. I, I think there's a place for giving person credit, like athletes, musicians, who work really hard to become proficient in their craft, but technically they are not heroes because they're doing it for themselves, for money, for fame, to be number one. It's only when that athlete or that actor or that business person does it off the field, off the screen, out from work that they become a hero. And in the very same way, it's not until you and I sacrifice for other people, putting the needs of others ahead of our own, that you and I become heroes. Now Jesus said it like this. Matthew 20, verse 26. Whoever wants to be great must hire a PR firm. I am so sorry. I read that out of the reviled substandard version. Right from the pit of hell, okay? No, he doesn't say that. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. God's values are just the opposite of the world's values. The world says you owe it to yourself. Look out for number one. Do what's best for you. But God says, no, 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 you got it all wrong. You, you, you want to be great? You've got to be a servant of all. You've got to learn to scramble to the bottom, learning to lift up as many people as you can, adding value to their life. Hollywood's idea of, of, of a hero is in one word, Kardashians. Really? Batman. Superman. The Hulk. I don't know. Harry Potter, whatever. And God says, no, real heroes are servants. Can I tell you this? This church was built on what I call ordinary heroes. 
this campus and the ministries that we have, like, I, I think of Jenny Freebird, okay? She's a single, or not a single mom, she's, she's a mom with young kids. Jenny, will you be a part of this ministry? We, we, we'll help you financially, but we need to minister to moms in our community. I think of the ministries that go on. I, I think of the ministry of, of uh, those ones who have experienced uh, uh, affairs in their marriages. I think of the Stevens ministry. I think of our financial peace ministry. I think of all the ministries that this church, I, I think of outrun homelessness. Really, it's run by ordinary, I call ordinary heroes. We're not this big paid organization, but they're run by ordinary peoples, but they're, they, and they're putting in blood, sweat, time, and tears. And they may go unnoticed by the world, but I guarantee you this, God notices them. I wasn't going to do this, but I'm, I'm going to. I got ADD, I'm going to let it go. If you have ever taken, if you are taking care right now of your parents who are older, or you have recently taken care of parents that were older, will you stand? Go ahead and stand up. Look at that. Folks, these are heroes. They're unnoticed by the world. Thank you. Really, they're unnoticed by the world. The world doesn't give a squat about all the sacrifice, blood, sweat, and tears that these devoted, parent, these devoted kids have done to their parents. Okay, single moms. You single mom, stand up there. They're heroes. Look at this. Okay? Over here. Thank you. Thank you. Let me ask you this. Would you stand? If you've given beyond your normal giving, do you remember when I brought up uh, and we commissioned the, the students who were going to the ends of the world? I'm bringing them back in about a month. They got some stories that I want you to hear right from their mouths, okay? But if you've given to a missionary beyond your normal giving, will you stand up? Because you're a hero. Go ahead, stand up. Very good. That is great. Look at this. Thank you. Thank you. Folks, the world doesn't recognize these kind of sacrifices, nor do we want the world to recognize. We do it out of our heart, a pure heart. And God says, I will take note of this. We don't need any more celebrities. We need ordinary people with an extraordinary message. Andrew Carnegie in 1904 founded a, fa a foundation called the Andrew Carnegie Hero Fund that recognizes just ordinary people who have done extraordinary things. In the 100 plus years that it has been in existence, it has recognized over 8,000 different heroes plus, okay? One of those that they recognized that I just read recently was a person who ran into a building that was on fire, risked their own life to rescue a 74-year-old woman. And he got recognized because he went against the mainstream thought of, you know what? It's someone else's job. It's none of my business. You see, if someone sacrificed their life for you, wouldn't you want to talk about it? I kind of think so. I mean, if someone sacrificed... 
their life, the rest of my wife, especially my grandkids. I'd be talking about them all the time. Well, I would have us know that there's someone who entered into our world, a world that was set on fire to rescue you and I. His name is Jesus Christ. We ought to talk about him. Take a look at this, Hebrews 7, 27. Jesus brought the sacrifice for the sons of all the people once and for all when he sacrificed himself. To truly be an ordinary hero, though, you don't need to do something spectacular. Jesus said it like this. Even if you give a cup of water in my name, you're going to be rewarded. God's not looking for this superhero, superman type events. He just wants you and I to make little sacrifices, ordinary sacrifices, to give an extraordinary message. One way that you and I can do that in our world is through this verse. Take a look at Proverbs 31. Speak up for the people who cannot speak for themselves. Protect the rights of all who are helpless. Speak for them and protect the rights of the poor and the needy. You see, how do we do that? Folks, I think it's as we open our eyes and we open our ears, as we look more and as we listen better, and we look and we listen to those who are hurting and helpless and hopeless and now homeless, they're coming to the Dallas area. There's going to be thousands of them. We look for the kid that doesn't have a dad. To the widow who doesn't have a husband. To those who are mentally challenged. There is a newspaper story recently that came out about a senior named Jake. Came out of the Virginia Herald, okay? Dispatch newspaper. It was, it's his senior year. And he is suited up. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year. Has been to every practice and in every game, on the bench, and has never played because he is mentally challenged. And so the coach of this school, Waverly, or not, no, Northwest, went to the Waverly coach the last game of the year and says, you know what, if the score isn't close, uh, there's this player, his name is Jake, I'd like him to be in the last game, if the game's not at stake, to play the last game, or to play in the last play of the game and I'll have him take a knee he's mentally challenged coach said okay well the game came and Northwest or Waverly was 42 and Northwest 0 and that coach from Waverly got his team together says okay here's the deal there's 5 seconds left on the clock there's a senior on the other team Jake I want him to score He's mentally challenged. Let's make this happen. He runs over to the opposite side of the field, talks with the other coach, says, here's what we want to do. We want Jake to score. And the other coach's face just drops. Says, You're kidding me. you got to shut out right now. He says, no, this is what we want done. And Jake became the hero of Northwest, scoring the only touchdown. But I would say there were a lot of other heroes that day, wouldn't you? That coach the other players. And I can tell you this, 10, 15 years from now, no one will remember that score. But what they will remember are the people who changed that one kid's life. And if you think about it, that's true with us. 
Hey, who's impacted your life? It's not Superman. Well, there's that fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Blunk, you know, whatever. They're ordinary people. 10, 15 years from now, we will not remember the numbers of, of Harvey. That millions of people was, oh, there's just millions of people. It's a catastrophic event. But you know what we'll remember? The Cajun Navy. People will remember that one person who rescued them, out, carried them out of the water. That guy that was on, I don't know, some kind of surfboard carrying a kid. That's what we're going to remember. We're going to remember the ordinary people who taught us an extraordinary lesson. That's what we remember. The third thing is this. Ordinary heroes take risks for God. They defy the odds. They climb out on the limb. They risk failure and rejection and criticism, but they risk it for God. There's a lot of people in our culture who take all kinds of crazy lists risks and they're on tv extreme sports and all this stuff because they get a rush out of it right but real heroes take risks for god when i look at these types of shows i think why don't we as god's people do that more and i'm not saying doing extreme sports but i'm t saying taking risks for god why don't we come to god and say god here's the situation i mean my phone's ringing off the wall folks text messages emails okay god we're gonna make this thing happen I, I, we are who we are, but we're going to do something, okay? Why don't we come to God and say, God, use me up. I want to live 100% for you. I think there's a couple of reasons that we don't do this. One is that we value comfort. And we don't want to get hurt. But a safe and comfortable life is a wasted life. God never meant for you and I to live a safe, comfortable life. Instead, he says, no, I want you to be a person of faith. I want you to take calculated risks. I want you to live on the edge because that's where you're going to discover me. I mean, think about this. If you, if you kept yourself in a little bubble and you never allowed anybody to hurt you, you would never know the meaning of love. Only as you take a risk. And yes, you might get rejected. I got a guy came in from California. One of David's friends came in at 1 o'clock last night. He's looking for a woman. And I thought of this. If you and I just live in a bubble and never get hurt, we'll never know the meaning of love. In the same way, if you and I don't live our lives beyond the walls, we will never realize our full potential that God has for us. Take a look at Luke 19. Risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and you'll end up holding the bag. One of my personal heroes is the Apostle Paul. Let me read you his story. It's in such small print, I've got to pull it up here. It says, I worked harder, been put in jail more often, been whipped more times without number. I've faced death again and again and again. In, in fact, Five times I was given 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned with rocks. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I drifted in the open sea all night and the whole next day. I traveled many weary miles and I've often been in danger from 
flooded rivers, hmm, appropriate, from, uh, from robbers and from my own people as well as from others. I've faced grave dangers from mobs in cities and from death in the desert and in stormy seas and from those from men who claim to be brothers in Christ but were not. I've lived with uh, weariness and pain and sleepless nights and often I've been hungry and thirsty and gone without food and often I've shivered with cold without without enough clothing to keep me warm. When I read that I think, you know what Christianity is is for wimps. It's for people who are taking calculated risks. And yet what motivated Paul to do this? Take a look at this. 1 Corinthians 15. Why do you think I keep taking are risking my neck in, the da- in this dangerous work. I look death in the face practically every day I live. Do you think I'd do this if I wasn't convinced of your resurrection and mine as guaranteed by the resurrected Jesus? Do you think I was just trying to act heroic? Not on your life. It's the resurrection that undergirds what I do and what I say and the way I live. Paul says, because I know that there is a life beyond this life, I'm willing to take a calculated risk for Christ. You've heard me say this before. I really believe that my life is indestructible until it is time. I really believe that. And when it is, guess what? God's going to take me home. And that will be a better place. There is the resurrection. And we want people to know of the resurrected life. And so comfort is not the goal of life. As I talk with a lot of Christians, they are bored stiff. Why? Because they're not willing to take risks. They want to play in the baby pool where it's comfortable. And God calls us, he beckons us to go into deep water. And so I want to challenge you and I to make your life count. Look at this verse, Mark 8, 35. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. Folks, I desperately believe that our world does not need any more celebrities. What our world needs are ordinary people who have an extraordinary message who are true heroes. And I believe you are that. I do. I'm proud of our church for what we're doing in our community here. And I was working a whole series, okay, on our community, on our community. Now it's going to be our community in Texas. I don't want you to miss the series because it is a choice. Will you choose to develop convictions, to stand alone, to say, you know what, I'm a Christian. This is what I believe. And are you willing to serve other people, to serve financially, to serve with your time and energy. The need is great. The time is now. I, I often ask, George, how do you recognize a wave? I said, I don't. Okay? I'm not a Steve Jobs that kind of knows and creates a product and makes a gazillion dollars. Most people aren't. Most people don't recognize or create waves like Steve Jobs did. But you can recognize one, can't you? This is a wave. This is an opportunity to ride a wave to see that the glory is for God. 
and it brings good to other people. Does that make sense? This is my mind. ADD, it's kicking in. But you serve and you risk your life. You get out of your comfort zone and we're going to have opportunities that are going to start next week. You're going to have boards out there to run, to give, and to serve. Lord, I just thank you that you are a God who is aware of everything that goes on in our world. And that you know of those who are hurting, helpless, and hopeless. And that now are even homeless down in the Houston area. And our heart hurts for them, God. And we would ask you as a church family on this National Day of Prayer that you would show up in their life. When their heads are down, and they don't see any hope, would you send them a person that may give them a look, may give them a hug, that may meet them some practical need in their life like a bottle of water that they would know of your presence God we would ask you that you would give them a persevering spirit because this thing isn't going to be done tomorrow or next week or next month would you would you just give them the inner strength God to put one foot in front of another knowing that with every step taken closer to the, the destiny seeing things changed in their world and may we who are called by your name be those who are willing to stand up and identify ourselves we're Christians why we do what we do is because we believe in Jesus Christ we believe that he came and he lived and he died and he was buried but he resurrected and that our life isn't about ourselves Help the church to rise. Help the church, God, to be the first in and the last one to leave. Because we want you to get the glory. And we want it to be for the good of others. So God, I ask you to, you, to work in our church. You know the things and the plans that have been changed as a result of this. Help us. We give this to you, trusting in you, God. But I want to give you just a minute. Maybe you're sitting next to someone, and I want you to just whisper prayers to one another. Just 30 seconds, a minute, and lift up the hurricane people. There ought to be thousands of prayers going up right now on this National Day of Prayer. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds to do that, and then I'll come. God, hear our prayers. Hear our prayers, God. 
and do what only you can do. But help us to do what we can. In your son's name we pray. Amen.